If you are a first-time visitor or a second-time visitor, we're so thankful you're here this morning. We really are. I pray that you that are members of this church, are you listening to me from the platform to the fellowship area? If you're a member of this church, I pray that you rid yourself of that selfish, narcissistic thinking and get out of your box and greet visitors today, all right? Not... Not your little posse and your little circle of comfort, but look around and say, I haven't seen her before. I, that man, he's pretty new. And go greet them with a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost-filled smile, hug, or handshake. Let them know, let them know you're grateful that they are here. Praise God. Anybody remember you that have been in church a while? Remember when you first went somewhere and uh, you felt like an ant in a forest full of elephants. Amen. We're going to look this morning, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the 16th chapter of Matthew, 16th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. Amen. You got to love, you got to love it when Jesus spoke, things just changed. Jesus said, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He did not say the gates of hell won't come against it. He just said they won't prevail against it. And I will give unto you, unto thee, King James language, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Read that verse with me right there out loud. Everybody, you ready? And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. going to preach today. The power of the believer. The power of the believer. We talked Wednesday night about the power of God that is available through the scriptures. Today we're going to talk about the power of the believer available through prayer. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord, today for your mercy and strength, your help and understanding. God, let us walk today in the spirit that pleases you, not in the flesh that displeases you, but in the will of God, the stratagem of God, the desire of God, no more and no less than your perfect and divine will, give you all the glory and praise for it in Jesus' mighty name. Look at somebody and say, I've got power. You may be seated today. The Lord bless you. Pray that our youth today, this week, our counselors of the youth department are all being blessed and filled and encouraged while they're away at youth camp, and that God's will be done. I appreciate the fact that God can be, God can be accessed no matter where you are. You should know that today. Someone said, and I quote, prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. Frequently, when you look at that quote, someone will add to it something like this. And for the most part, it changes the person doing the praying. Yeah. 
67% by the Morgan of Americans confess to praying every single day of their life. Two out of three American citizens didn't say what color their skin was, what educational background they possess, how much money they have or don't have. It just said that two out of three American citizens confess to praying every single solitary day. Didn't say they're talking about a prayer meeting, an organized church service. It just said, yes, I pray every single day. Brother and sister, you'll never convince somebody that prays every day that prayer doesn't work. You will never convince one of those people that pray every day that prayer is a waste of time. In fact, someone very important said one time, the time you spend in prayer is never time wasted. Are you part of the 67% of American citizens that confess to praying every single day of your life? No matter how busy you are, no matter how, how, how much junk and drama and turmoil is unfolding in your life, do you seek God at least a little bit every so single day? The truth is, Brother Aldrich, we have all prayed a thousand prayers that we have forgotten. But I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that every one of us have had incidents in our life, moments of absolute chaos in our life, where we prayed diligently, we prayed heartily, and God came through, God answered, and I can remember those incidents. I can remember what part of my life I was in, what I was going through, what I prayed, where I was, and I can remember that God answered my prayer. I can't tell you about the thousand times I prayed and God didn't seem to do anything. But I remember those places that are marked in my life where God absolutely moved a circumstance for me through the avenue of prayer. I said that the believer has power if you'll only pray. Like many of you, I tire. I tire of being around people who have an answer for everything. You barely get a statement out of your mouth, and they're saying, well, that's because of this. Or here's the thing. Come on, dear brother, what are you doing down there? Please. Thank you, sir. I thought of you because I'm, he and I often text each other during the week, and, and all we say is, here's the thing. I tire, like you do, of people who always have an answer, and yet they have no prayer life. They get enough religion on Sunday morning, but yet they have an answer for everything. I'm not trying to say people don't have more knowledge than you and I in certain areas of expertise, but I am saying that I trust a praying man much more than I trust someone who's one of those just one of the three that doesn't confess to praying every single day. Now, I, I'm not silly enough to believe everybody. I know not everyone, but I do believe there are folks all around us every day, not in the church, that are praying. Let me tell you what I mean. I believe alcoholics pray. I believe addicts are praying. 
Oh, they don't know. They're kind of like Acts 17 on Mars Hill when Paul came up and he saw an emblem. He saw a sign. He saw a motto. He saw a, a, a marquee, if you would. And it just simply said, to the unknown God. We can critique and point fingers at people that pray and don't even know what they're praying to or who they're praying to. And I understand that in a way. But be careful how often you criticize people for praying. At least they're praying, all right? At least they're looking for some help somewhere, some way in their life. And God forbid we get the Pentecostal disease or the Christian disease of thinking we're better than everybody else because we know who we're praying to. Brother, sometimes we act the part just right, but deep inside we're full of dead men's bones, Jesus said. I happen to know for sure, for a fact, that abandoned people whose moms and dads have abandoned them, kids pray. They don't have a formalistic style or a de definitive direction. They can't say, at this point of time, I say that, and here's where I posture that way. But they're praying. They've been abandoned. Their heart is wounded. Their heart, their life, their, their ways are misguided. And somewhere they just pray, I wish I could find somebody to help me. I know for a fact my dad was praying in his last few minutes on this earth. The chaos that ensued, and pardon me, I know you get tired of hearing this. I, I'm trying to get over it. The chaos that ensued that afternoon, I rode my bicycle down, just got in the door of my office, and there was a missed couple of calls from my mother, and she said, come home, something's wrong with dad. And I'm on my bicycle, you hear me? text or called my wife and said get over there and by the time she anyway she dad was loaded in the car and and mom and dad and my wife were headed to the hospital and I was jumping off my bike and getting in another vehicle etc and my wife said all the way to the hospital your dad was praying I said desperate people pray People in hospitals every day pray that never have, have never seen a church door. People that have been given, have been written off in life and told that they have a certain disease or no future, no hope for their health, they're praying. They may not be standing up running the aisles or shouting, but don't you ever try to tell me that they aren't praying. They may not know the form, the style, the motives, but they're praying. I know they are. I was out in the parking lot one day two summers ago, Brother Larry. Don't know what I was doing, can't even remember, but I was, I was near the front door, the new fellowship area here, front door, and just noticed a man coming across diagonally from the, of the parking lot towards the door. And it was summertime, and uh, I remember the blue jeans and the, the muscle-style shirt he had on. And I say this because I'm trying to set the, the tempo or the environment for you. I'm not trying to judge anybody, all right? When he got to me, he had, he had ink every, down like a beard, like a man would have a beard. And shaved and all, of his, and all of his arms. And I'm not judging anybody. I'm trying to set the tempo. And he said, are you the pastor? And we, I introduced myself. And he said, he said, I just got to go right to the point of the matter. He said, I didn't. I'm on the needle and I need help. He said, would you please pray for me? He said, I don't know how to stop. I've rehabbed. I have went to clinics. I've been to doctors. I don't know how to quit. 
Don't bother telling me people aren't desperate for God out there. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we sit in church until we are just rusted like an old bolt or nut somewhere. And we can't be moved. We can't be touched. We can't be motivated. And people are praying every day, God, if you're real, help me. I need something genuine in my life. Doctors pray, surgeons pray, waitresses pray, backsliders pray. You may not believe this, but your neighbors pray. People in your circle of friends, they pray. Oh, they may act all proud, but let their baby be, you know, diagnosed with something that's, that's not good, they may not recover from. People pray. Men and women, educated or ignorant, pretty or not, people pray. You know what my biggest question is over the play? Do Christians pray? Do preachers pray? Are we watching the clock at church? Well, it's only 9.59. It's not time to pray yet. You know what Gandhi said? Heaven forbid, I'm quoting Gandhi in an apostolic pulpit. You know what Gandhi said? He said, prayer isn't all about asking for things. It's about a longing to talk to God. I wish I had said that. Prayer isn't always about asking for things. It's about a longing to talk to God. Do Christians pray? Do preachers pray? Martin Luther said this, and I quote, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Amen. Prayer happens everywhere, sister. People pray in their homes, in their bedrooms, in their bathtubs, in their vehicles. On airplanes. Do we pray in church? Benjamin Franklin said, and I quote, We should work as if we're going to live another hundred years, but we should pray as if we're going to die tomorrow. Samson prayed, Judges 16, 28, while being made a public spectacle. Do we need the comfort of a perfect environment to seek the Lord? Jonah said, chapter 2, verse 2, he said, I cried out of the belly of hell and God heard me. He was on a boat and a demon-possessed man prayed. Did you hear that? A demon-possessed man prayed. And he wasn't praying to Lucifer, praying to the Lord Jesus Christ. I said there's power through prayer. 
to anyone, but I want to say to a believer today, there's prayer, there's power in prayer that we have never even thought of accessing. Why don't we pray in church then? I'm not, a, I'm not looking for an answer. You don't have to say anything. I, I'm just trying to provoke a thought. Brother Trace, people pray. On that road right now, there are people praying. You better be praying while you're on the road. I need a volunteer real soon, too. It's, I'm going to go down. I've just noticed a bunch of garbage. We've got to clean the road up a couple of times a summer. So if you feel encouraged one day, come with me. We'll walk the road, and we'll just pick up trash again, all right? Well, we did that last month, Pastor. I know. We're going to do it again. But you better be praying. How many, how many beer bottles did we pick up? Alcohol bottles did we pick up? Needles did we pick up? People on the road. I'm not jumping down anybody's throat. I'm not criticizing people. Those people need God. And some of them don't even know who they're praying to. While technology is always on the cutting edge, it's on the doorstep of the next great discovery, we have never found a more effective way to communicate with God than prayer. Brother Jeremy, it seems to be the thing that the devil opposes the most in our life. Just, just make up your mind. You're going to start praying a minute a day, ten minutes a day, whatever. You'll find a landslide of opposition come against you. Just try to get structured in a time that you devote to God. At this point in time, every day, on my break, on my lunch, I'm going to talk to God. You'll get phone calls, door knocks. Notes under the door. Because the devil opposes prayer. He knows that if a believer can ever access the power of God available through prayer, that his kingdom will be greatly diminished. Yeah. People pray in the morning. They pray at noon. They pray at nighttime. Have you ever been... Awakened in the middle of the night, maybe a little bit alarmed about something, you don't even know why. You can't say, well, I got a, I got a, a text, I'm, a, I'm worried about that. You just woke up kind of feeling alarmed. I got news for you. Unless you had extra spicy Taco Bell right before you went to bed, probably, good chance, extra spicy Subway maybe or something like that. There's a good chance... That God just shaking your tree a little bit. And you may be too tired to get out of bed and walk the halls of your home and call on the name of the Lord. But at least open your mouth and open your heart and say, God, whatever it is, I'm asking for provision and protection in the name of Jesus over my kids, over our church. I said people have the right to pray anytime, anywhere, for any reason. I just want to tell you as a pastor, I mean this not to be mudslinging, just telling you what experience has taught me. It's easier sometimes to get a total sinner to pray than it is a, a, a child of God. Hello. My Lord. 
Jesus, or rather the Apostle Paul, 517, 1 Thessalonians, he didn't put a clock on it. He didn't say, it's better if you pray in the morning. I've heard all that. My son and I go round and round. We did years ago about the, the, the more potential to be effective in prayer if you go early in the morning. And I said, well, what if you work nights? Then your morning is 6 p.m. Now, I, I, I like to study. It's not ugly banter between us. It's just, it's just biblical conversation. But I happen to know that God does not look at the clock when you open your mouth in prayer. God's not tired in the afternoon. As a matter of fact, if you look at Nave's topical Bible, when God walked in the garden in the cool of the day to communicate with Adam, it was the evening. I don't believe that's a doctrinal point either. I'm just making a point, period, that whenever you open your mouth in sincerity, God says, I'm all ears. God says, I want to listen. Anyway, Paul just said, pray without ceasing. He didn't put it on a a time clock. He just said, whatever you do, keep it about your life all the time. How many of you have been on a job somewhere long enough that people know you're a child of God and you love the Lord, and, and sooner or later, that person has a little tribulation in their life. Sooner or later, that person has a little trial in their life that they can't figure out or fix or manipulate. And, and sooner or later, you and that person just happen to be alone in, in, in the dumpster area or, or the bailer room or the break room. And before you walk out the door, the person goes, mm. wonder why that is. That they ask you to pray for their sick child. That they ask you to pray for their marriage that's falling apart. That they ask you to pray for a pressing engagement that they're worried about. And just an FYI, this is not deep, it's not profound, but it is true. When you tell people you'll pray, it better, it better turn hell upside down to keep you from praying. If you tell someone, I'll pray for you. And you just do that to get them off your back because they're not very pretty, you know. They're not a great giver, you know. They only come frequently, you know. I know he's on, I know he's an alcoholic, so I'll just, I'll figure it out. God knows my heart. God forbid. You tell someone you're going to pray for them, you better find a moment in time to pray. (laughs) Most of the time. Most of the time, the reason people pray is they want something to change. Isn't that right? Got anything in your life you'd like to see change? Yeah, my wife, she's just out. No, that's not what I'm asking you. Is there anything you see in the mirror you'd like to see changed? Do you ever look at yourself and say, I'm sick of my temper, I'm sick of my mood? I'm sick of my anger. God, help me. For the rest of you that don't need any fixing, you pray for us, all right? The writer said, if my people, if, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, that's a believer, will humble themselves and pray. 
To pray like God is referring to takes humility. It's not a Luke 18, verse 10 through 14 type of prayer. I thank you, Lord, that I am not as other men are, extortioners, adulterers, or like all these others. It's a humility thing. It's a humility thing. God, if you don't help me, if you don't help me now, God, if you don't fix this now, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. You can't be proud and pray sincerely. You can't be cocky and pray sincerely. It doesn't work, Brother Carl. It does not work ever. Not with God. Most of the time, the reason people pray, they want something to change. And I can confess personally, as I'm sure many of you would, in an honest moment, that, that we pray we have prayed, we do pray, because we want God to fix something that's messed up in our life. Bad choices, bad decisions, bad company, and I messed it up, God. Okay. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 7, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek, you'll find. Knock, shall be given, shall be opened. Psalm 65, 2, in essence, just says he answers prayer. He hears. And unto him shall all flesh come. That's my point from a moment ago. No matter what movement you have belonged to in the past, including this one, we have to be aware of this closet we get locked into. I spoke to the leaders this morning about cruise control. I, even on my old 89 Dodge with a five-speed, I've got cruise control on that thing. And I usually use that when I, I want one less thing to think about at the moment. God, Brother Lance, woke me up this morning, at least was on my heart this morning, that sometimes I put my walk with God in cruise control. I'm not really going anywhere. I'm not going any slower or doing any less, but I'm not growing. And you science majors tell me if I'm wrong. It's been, it's been a long time since I attended Bartlett High School. You hear me? Decades! But I do remember a teacher telling me, I believe it was the reptile, that never stops growing. Oh, their growth pattern is shrinks minimally, just to a minimal amount. But till the day they die, they're growing. They're growing. They're not in cruise control, they're growing. I'm not saying that a 25-year-old lizard will grow a foot a year. I'm saying their growth pattern slows greatly. But as long as they're breathing, they're progressing. And I feel like God just told me and asked me to tell you, don't put your walk with God in cruise control. I know that's simple. I know that's not profound. I know that's something a six-year-old could tell you about, but God told me for a reason, okay? We, we often get comfortable. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion, Amos 6, verse 1. Woe to them that put their walk with God in cruise control. They don't even, prayer, missing prayer doesn't even bother them anymore. 
They used to be the first to come and the last to leave. They don't even care anymore. Softball is more important than prayer. You need another pastor if you ever expect me to back off things like that. You need another pastor up here. Because when recreation or anything in life becomes more important than communicating with God, we are in cruise control. We are in slack mode. Looking for a job when I found this one, all right? Unto him will all flesh come. Alcoholics. Doctors who've spent all their money and they're so in debt, you think they're, they're professional in every aspect of their life, but they are absolutely screaming in their private world for help from God. A man sitting at the bar stool every night so in debt, he can't even see a chance to hope, have hope. Maybe he just mutters under the sound of his voice when he's walking through the door. Whew, I need help. Unto him shall all flesh come. Hallelujah. The entirety of Psalm 51, if you're a psalm lover, and you should be, the entirety of Psalm 51 is the prayer of David when he realizes what he's done with his life. He's powerful, he's eloquent, he's authoritative. He's got it all, but he just messed up. So, knowing the hundreds of promises in the Bible about God assuring us he hears prayer, maybe under the sound of your voice, You've muttered something like this. Then why didn't God answer me yesterday? Got a phone call from Brother Churchill Friday morning. Said, pray, I don't know what's going on, but my daughter Kim was run off the road. Said some guy reached over to his, his baby, was getting out of the car seat, reached over to fix it. And if he tells it a little different than this, this is what I caught in the middle of a frantic reached over to put his baby back or to fasten the seatbelt or whatever they do. And when he did that, he swerved over into her lane. And she just immediately responded by swerving back into the other person's lane. Complete mayhem, chaos. Her little Jeep come to rest right on the edge of a steep embankment, just like that. He sent me a picture. But then he texted me about an hour later. He said, thank you, Jesus. He said, everybody's all right. Don't bother telling me that when people are in a desperate moment, they may not know the name of Jesus, but they're saying, somebody help me, God help me. I, 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 don't, want, I don't want to die. I don't want to be sickened. I don't want to be injured. God help me. I said there's power through prayer to anybody that prays, but the believer has another channel he can go to. Another, another shelf he can climb up on. And we sit bored to tears in church. Not my turn to preach, not my turn to sing, not my turn to lead. I'm bored. And a great deal of the time it's because our prayer life is in cruise control. 
didn't God help me yesterday? I mean, I'm sure God cares about Israel. I'm quite sure God cares about world economy. I'm quite sure God cares about governments that are affecting billions of people. But does he care that I have a migraine? Does God care that you're unemployed today? Does God care that your son is lost right now? Your daughter's lost? Oh, he cares about Netanyahu and the government all across this globe. Does he care that you got no money to pay your rent next month? Does he care? Unto him shall all flesh come. Mr. Herring, why is that? Why is it that he promises he will answer, but I prayed and he did not answer? Before I get to, the, before I get to my opinion, my take, Listen to these scriptures in Job 19, 7. Job said, I prayed, but he did not hear me. How does he know that? He said, I prayed, but I'm pretty sure God wasn't even listening. I can only assess, I can only judge it by saying this. He probably made that statement. God forgive me if I'm getting sacrilegious here. He probably made that statement because God didn't answer him. Doesn't mean God didn't hear you. Doesn't mean God didn't listen. But I told you before, God looks at every motive behind every prayer. Everything deep inside my heart and why I'm praying it and what's behind it, what's supporting it. David said in Psalm 1841, he said, I happen to know that they prayed, but God did not answer. They prayed, but nothing happened. Have you ever been there? Wow. You all shouted when I said he'll answer prayer. Ever been there? Pray to God, I really need something to change right here. Me, it, this, them. And it just seems like nothing changes. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy 28, 23. You ought to, you ought to make note of it. God and Moses are communicating. And he said, it's going to seem like the heavens are brass and the earth is iron. Meaning... No matter where you turn for help, it's not going to yield an answer to you. Ever felt like that? Impenetrable. I just can't seem to get God to do anything about it. Brother Pale, one of my favorite amplified translation verses, though. One of them. Matthew 7, verse 7. Sister Pleo in the Amplified. He said, if he doesn't ask, if he doesn't do it the first time, just quit and walk away and sulk and lick your wounds. Is that what it says? 
Pastor Herring, you said he would do it. If you've lived for God more than a day, you have to re- I'm sure you realize that everything with God is timing. If my six-year-old asked for the key, you know, I don't have a six-year-old, excuse me. But when I had a six-year-old, if they asked for the keys to the car, I'm saying, sorry, bud, it's not time yet. You don't love me. You didn't answer me. No, I love you enough to tell you no. I wonder if you know where I'm going today. But he said, keep on asking. There's some people, they just they got a quitting disease. Every time something doesn't go exactly like they want it the first time, I quit. I quit. God isn't all the... Oh, I want to talk a little bit today. I want to shepherd a little bit right now. The Richie sometimes voices make themselves available to my ear, in my ear. Voices like people don't care about me. People don't pray. I'm not asking for your pity. Don't come pat me on the back and say after church, oh, I feel sorry for you. That's not what I'm doing. I'm trying to, trying to minister to you today. But sometimes I hear voices, and those voices say, give me a it's superficial. There's nothing real about this. They, they don't, that's not real in them. If they cared, they'd be there when I really need them. Don't tell me you don't hear those voices. If you don't hear those voices, I need to, I need to know what you have in life, all right? Forget them. And the devil is out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so when those voices say to you, if God really cared, he'd have answered you. He knew your child had a fever. He knew that baby was throwing up all night long, and you laid hands on that baby in Jesus' name, and it threw up right on your hand. Where's the God that answers all the time? Timing is everything with God. God's like the helicopter above the parade. He sees the beginning, and he sees the end, okay? He sees every head involved in the working and the process of every step of the way. I'm down here just looking at what's going on right now, and all I know is here. So I'm just trying to encourage you to keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking reverently. That means don't get a chip on your shoulder, an attitude on your head, in your in your head. Keep on. Look at somebody and say, keep on. Charles Spurgeon said, groanings which cannot be uttered, which is a reference to Romans chapter 8, by the way. Groanings which cannot be uttered are often prayers which cannot be refused by the Almighty. Unquote. So let's narrow this down. If you're concerned about roadblocks, blockages, stumbling blocks, things might hinder your sincere prayer. Let me just offer you a couple. There's, there's numerous, but that becomes personal between you and God. The contemporary English version, not the common English Bible. I'm sorry, but I'm trying to be trying to enunciate clearly so you understand where I'm going. Contemporary English version. All right? 
James 4, verse 3. He said, when you pray, your prayers are not answered because you're being selfish. Pa-dum-pa. Guarantee you, Brother Justin Sonatag, if I pray with selfish motives, God's on that immediately. If my motives are me, God, would you humble my wife? Forget it. He's about to humble you, you arrogant thing. God, would you humble my husband? You better watch out, sister. When prayers are selfish, James said, forget about it. Not saying to you it's wrong to pray for things. I'm just, when people tell me, you know, occasionally, hey, I'm praying about this. I go, what can it hurt to pray? But if you get a chip on your shoulder because God don't answer you or God says no, then you've misunderstood the way God deals with people. But if you pray for selfish reasons, Brother Pleo, God said, no thanks, I don't, I'm not into that. And you know today some people are just bitter because they prayed for things and God said no. Oh, I want that to stew in your brain a moment. Some people are bitter, sitting in church, maybe even here today, bitter because they prayed and God said no. Now, I, have, I feel pretty safe in saying that God probably never audibly said no to you and I. But sometime when God doesn't do anything, he's saying no. People get angry with God and bitter because God says no. Fourteen, I was 14, Brother Sam, a long time ago. I don't know if it's still the same today, but at 14, you could get a permit, drive a car, and you could get a motorcycle license. And at 14, I got a motorcycle license. I had a Yamaha 125 Enduro. Sold it to my friend Brad Bullock, and he, he just trashed it. But anyway, when I had it, we, we had lived in Anchorage at the time. I was going to Clark Junior High School. And I remember begging my mother, begging my mother. We had moved away from Palmer, and I had friends out here still, and I'm begging my mother, I got my, got my motorcycle license? Let me go. I'm 14. You hear me? 14. Oh, my word. Different world today, I know. Totally different world. But I, I don't know what time of the year it was. It was months into my, after my birthday, and I had my license. Mom said, all right, you can go. But she said, uh, she said, I'm going to follow you to Peter's Creek. <laughs> Is that right? It was the old road. There wasn't a new highway. It was the old road by the gravel pit over there. And she said, I'm going to follow you to Peter's Creek. And I'm, I remember thinking, Mom, I'm 14. I don't, I don't need to be tailed, watched, but I, I can still remember we pulled over there right after Peter's Creek, and, and she turned around. I, I guarantee you she was praying, Brother Playo. 
I'm at 14, I felt like, whew, I am by myself on this motorcycle. Ooh, that felt good. Felt good. But I know that, trying to say something here, I know that God kept his hand on myself and many of us, all of us, because somebody was praying for us. Somebody was calling out our name to the Lord. And some people pray for revenge, and God just turns a deaf ear. But God, they hurt my family. They hurt this ministry. They hurt me. I'm just asking for justification. I'm just asking for a fair shake. No, you're asking for revenge, and God will never answer that prayer. Never answer that prayer. What do you think Jesus thought? He didn't say, God, get them now. He said, forgive them. They know not what they do. Sometimes it's not that God doesn't answer. but Sometimes God just says no in his silence. But we're talking about power of prayer. The believer's ability to access power. When's the last time you prayed until you woke up feeling like a lion? I've got a little internet meme somebody sent me. Some minister sent me. And it shows a, like a, a stitched picture, you know, a split screen. On the left, it said, this is how we go into the prayer room. Little kittens walking in. And the, on the right, it shows ferocious lions walking out of the prayer room. When's the last time you, you went down in prayer feeling humble and, and kitten-like, and you woke up or you got out of that moment of prayer, and you felt like the power of God was all over you? what I'm talking about. It's the power of God in a believer's life. Hallelujah. Let's finish it like this. The power of the believer through prayer. Sister Plale, in the Amplified Translation again, Brother Tostin has sent me 5, 5 and 16 to James. You've sent this to me a few times. And I want you to pay attention to just little subtle adjustments in the, in the text. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. That does not mean make your private world everybody's business. We don't have to be told that, do we? Some people do. I had lettuce salad with asparagus for dinner. Who really cares? Facebook people are like, who do you think he is? It's not talking about making the world aware of your private business. But there is power in confessing. There's power in saying, I'm weak in this area. Would you help me pray? And you better watch who you confess to. You hear me? There's a lot of people that tell you, I'm your buddy. What you say, my lips are sealed. And you'll find out before long, their lips aren't sealed very long at all. He said, and pray also for one another. 
may be healed. I like that. Notice that little subtle change there. He said, when you pray for others, God looks at you. When you pray for her, God's looking at what you need in life. That's what it says right there. That you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. One thing I don't like about the Amplified, it gets a little windy at times. You read your Bible every day a certain amount. It's impossible to read, to me at least, read the Amplified as the main translation because it, it just lengthens everything. But sometimes it's a lot of help, like this right here. He said, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man, look at this, makes tremendous power available. Dynamic in its working. It's awesome. He said, so when you pray sincerely, it isn't just that God goes, oh, get down there and help him a little bit, Gabriel. He makes tremendous power available. When's the, when's the last time you brothers prayed and you felt like tremendous power was in, was in your hands? All right. Keeping that in mind, the reason God may not have answered me yesterday, in my opinion, my estimation, my take, my thought, number one, everything with God is timing. It may not be the right time. I guarantee if I'd asked mom for the keys to that red Cadillac Eldorado at 14, she wouldn't have said, no, I don't want to hurt his feelings. Fifteen years old. Fifteen years old, Brother Jim. My friend Brad Bullock was spending the night. And at three o'clock in the morning, we had the music too loud in my bedroom. And my mother walked in. And she said, turn the music down. Okay, Mom, we acted like it. Five minutes later, turn that music down. And I must have said something smart. Fifteen-year-olds get smart Oh, no, I know not yours. hear me? Because at five foot tall, she planted that hand with an open, right there. Tragic child abuse in front of my friend at three o'clock in the morning. And she planted that open, and she didn't go. She went, so pop. You know, you can't turn a 15-year-old over your knee, all right? That's child abuse. Well, you call it what you want, okay? That's the reason our world is in such a sickened condition today, is because we're afraid of our kids. We're afraid of our own kids. And everything inside of me, Brother Joseph, welled up. I was upset. Here's Brad Bullock watching my mom take me down. I get on these things? I have no idea. Don't forget your kids, yeah. Anyway, she planted that smack across the cheek, and I knew that if I dared 
dared respond. There's a man on the North Slope that takes no quarter, okay? He don't care what my whining excuses were. You ever told mom you're not doing them dishes, you're 15. You know, the Bible said, he that spares the rod hates his son. My dad loved me. Yeah. See, you guys get me distracted up here. It's all your fault. Tremendous power. Tremendous power. Here you go. You're a believer today? If not, I'm going to invite you to come pray in a moment. But if you are, here's how tremendous power avail itself to you. You ready? Oh, it's rocket science. You ready? Number one, the most fundamental element of the Christian walk, faith. Matthew 21, 22, I'm going to prove it. And all things, Jesus said, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, no matter what, no, he said, believing. So sometimes it's just not timing with God. Sometimes I'm being selfish when I pray. And sometimes God just says no. But if I have faith, Hebrews 11:6, without it, it's impossible to please God. You can't come to God and say, God, my son is sick. God, my daughter's in the hospital. God, my family's going to hell. Would you do something? Although I know it. For a decade, and God hasn't done anything yet. Forget That's unbelief. It is not faith. You must come to God knowing He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I know, I know that's too simple to be true, isn't it? But when you pray, you gotta you gotta close out everything and just say, God. I know you're hearing me. I know you're listening to me. I'm not praying this in a selfish reason. What gain do I get out of you healing her from pneumonia? And I have faith, God. You did it for Daniel. You can do it for me. Now, you may have to coach yourself through that thing. You did it for her last week. You're gonna, I believe you can do it for me today. And you know what? As Matthew 7, 7, the Amplified said, if God doesn't do it now, you know what I'm going to do? Keep on knocking. Keep on asking. All right, I gotta, I gotta hurry. Faith. Look at somebody and say, faith. faith. Number two, Mark ten fifty one. You gotta have purpose, brother. You gotta have purpose. When the when the blind man finally got Jesus' attention, Jesus didn't say, "I know what your need is. I've read your mind. I know before you were born that you would be standing here this day blind and." in need of this or that. He didn't say that. He said, what do you want me to do? What would, have, what would happen if Bartimaeus would have said, well, I sure like to win the lottery. My mother needs some financial comfort. I think that's why Jesus said, what do you want? He knew what he needed, but he wanted Bartimaeus to vocalize what he wanted. Well, I don't have time to pray today. He knows what I need anyway. Yes, he does. But we're made in his image. And one thing God does is talk. 
We may not be able to hear him, but God talks to us. And in his image, we can respond in like manner. What do you want? What do you want? What do you want, Bartimaeus? I heard you. Now, now you tell me what you want. That I might receive my sight. Got to have purpose, Brother Justin. You're just praying to make noise. You're just making noise. You got to have faith in God that he's listening to you. And you got to have purpose. I'm tired of being addicted to this prescription drug. I'm tired of trying to tell everybody I'm not high when I'm stoned out of my mind in church. Like a surgeon with a scalpel in his hand right now. I, I, I'm tired of looking at the same old anger in the, in the mirror every day. I'm tired of making alibis for my moodiness and my temperament and my ups and downs and my lack of faithfulness. I'm tired of covering for her who really wasn't sick Wednesday night. I'm tired of covering for him who's just, just out in left field once in a while. I'm tired of it. You don't want me to be this honest, do you, today? You got to have purpose when you pray, brother. You got to have exact direction. I need my vision back. saying you have to be able to defend theologically your faith. You just got to have purpose. God, is this your will that I buy into this business or not? Speak to me. Is this your will that I sell this house, God? Speak to me. Does he care? I've got a headache. I'm sick. Do you care, God? Oh, God's way too busy to worry about my pulled muscle, my toothache. I'm sorry, you feel that way. Brother Mike, I think we should go to God about everything. I don't mean if you like Del Monte, should you buy Libby's? I'm saying something matter, meteor matters. say this in love as a shepherd today, somehow along the way, many of us who've been raised in church, been in church a long time, we put things just on, on weight mode. It takes work to pray. I don't really want to pray that hard. It just, if you know what I'm talking about, it hurts my guts when I pray. It takes me hours to just recuperate from Sunday morning service just because I feel raw inside. Prayer is work, brother. I don't mean you have to do calisthenics, but I mean sincere prayer. You may never raise your voice above a whisper, but when you are in tune with God and sincere, it, it affects the flesh. You've got to have faith, and you must have purpose. Talking about the power of the believer through prayer. I'm long today. I'm going to wrap this up. Number three. You've got to have passion. James 5, 17, he prayed earnestly. He prayed earnestly. I tell every new convert that cares to hear me this. You can pray any way you want, but if you want my suggestion, how to grow your prayer life, how to become more effective, learn to pray out loud. 
some, I'm not saying because you want people to write, ooh, beautiful prayer, let me write that down. Nothing to do with that. There's something about, I, I'm just more candid when I open my mouth. Yeah. I, it's like God probes my soul more when I'm talking out loud to him. And when, I, when, I, when I'm just internally focused in prayer, I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm not getting on your case. But when I'm that way, I tend to get distracted. Cubs are playing 15. Packers are on in an hour. Something about vocalizing it. It helps me focus. I offer that to you. You've got to have passion. He prayed earnestly. He prayed earnestly. Don't ever criticize people for crying, for laughing, for raising their hands, for raising their voice when they're praying. Don't ever criticize. It's called passion. It's called passion. Oh, pastor, I'm not welcome here. You said I can't pray silently. Did I say that? Number four, you got faith, purpose, passion, and the fourth thing is James 5.18, persistence. I tried it, didn't work. You said, and I did, and he did not. Persistence. He prayed again. I've heard, I heard a teacher one time saying, that if you bring up the same thing to God you've already brought to him, you're insulting the intelligence of God because he didn't forget. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Now, if it has to do with what God has forgiven you for, you, you can quit apologizing for it. If God's forgiven you, stop bringing it up. I understand that. I do get that. If you used to be this and you prayed and repented, you're not that anymore, stop bringing it up. If I prayed and God didn't do it, the Bible said Elijah, he just prayed again. He just prayed again. You must have faith. You need purpose. You need passion. And lastly, you've got to be persistent. How many testimonies are in this room this morning of people? Someone prayed for you for decades. One day you walk through the door for the church. Yeah. Prayed for you for years. You ridiculed them. You mocked them. You criticized them. But one day, and the timing of God was right, and the right buttons in life were pushed, it came into your thought, into your thought patterns, I think I'll go to church today. It is not an accident, Brother Paul. That's right. The believer has power through prayer. That's why Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth. You know what he's saying? Use your authority in prayer. Use it. And everybody will say amen because I'm Our show, show me our title again. Us, our title, Power of the Believer. You have power today in your life? I don't feel very powerful. Well, why not? 
not my fault. Not my fault. I already told you. You pray in the car, you pray in the airplane. Pray in the dentist chair. Unto him shall all flesh come. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. Love you, Lord. Thank you.